Man, that's a tough one. And it's not, it's not even necessarily that I don't have the time because my guys have freed up a lot of my time for sure. Sometimes I think I get pulled back in there just because I feel a satisfaction of getting my hands dirty and, you know, finishing a nice clean. like, man, that looks great. And then I go home. I, I really get, and maybe that's a technician in me, but I get, I don't get a ton of satisfaction from working through the, you know, the building the systems and trying to figure out how we can document. And I guess I got to get out of that. I guess appreciate the satisfaction of a business well run instead of getting my hands dirty all the time. Welcome to Clearing Obstacles, the podcast for leaders and those that want to be. You know, it can be a lonely journey when you find yourself confronted by challenges in business. So get ready to take a journey with me as together we'll hear the stories of real life business owners and begin to unpack some common business challenges from real life situations in a way that's both relatable and actionable for you. We bring to bear decades of entrepreneurial and coaching experience and a full toolbox of resources as we introduce you to those professionals who, like yourself, are working hard to build a healthy business and a healthy team. But then we'll also share the way out of those struggles by clearing the obstacles at their origins, helping you get there from here. Welcome to the Clearing Obstacles podcast, where we help you get there from here. This is Coach Matt, along with Coach Dan and our esteemed guest, Patrick. Welcome, Patrick. Thank you for coming to share your story with us. Uh, How's it going today? Good. Thanks for having me. Good to have you. So tell us, what's it like there in beautiful Montana today? Uh, It's gorgeous. The sun's actually shown its face for the first time in what seems to be about three months. So nice to see the sun start coming out again. Send it our way, would you? No, no, I'm keeping it here. (laughs) (laughs) What's the temperature like? It is 27 degrees, which is pretty normal for this time of year. That's shorts and t-shirts weather right now for you, isn't it? It's getting there. Yeah, anything above freezing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Patrick, again, thank you for being on the podcast today. You operate a couple of businesses in the Missoula, Montana area. Can you take just a moment to tell us a little bit about your businesses? Yeah, so I own the Closet Guy, which is a custom closet company. We do anything from uh, custom closets, pantries. We do garage shelving, organization. Um, that's that's the extent of that. And then Blindside Window Coverings is uh, we do custom window coverings, everything from interior, you know, shades to exterior awnings and exterior uh, shading products. So they go hand in hand. Typically, new homes. And you've been in business for quite a while now, too, right? Yep, pushing twenty years. It's awesome. Still, still, still an amateur. <laughs> Congratulations. Funny, right? Funny how 20 years can still feel like like beginner's mindset sometimes, huh? For sure, yeah. It's like yeah. starting over every day. <laughs> For our listeners, really quick, just real quick, draw a quick map of how and why you started your business for us. And if you can kind of give us a little bit of how, how it's going for you right now. Well, I got in business. I went to school and got a really expensive college degree that turned out to be a giant waste of time. And after I interviewed for a few suit jobs, I realized that wasn't my cup of tea. So I started looking for businesses for sale and I happened to stumble upon a closet business in Billings, Montana, which I ended up not buying, but I, I uh, started a franchise under the closet guy and started in Bozeman, moved to uh, Missoula and I own the Helena, Montana territory as well. Uh, I just didn't see myself sitting behind a desk, although I'm doing a lot of that right now, but I guess it's for myself, but um, I just wanted the freedom, freedom, air quotes of owning your own business. Give us a little gauge of how things are going for you right now, for both of them. They're good. I mean, I feel blessed. We've, you know, we made it through COVID, all rainbows and lollipops. Everybody's moving to Montana. So business has been crazy and, and we're a good business. I mean, we have a ton of flaws, you know, stuff we're trying to fix all the time. But in the end, we do good work. Uh, if we screw it up, we admit it and we fix it or you know, do whatever we can to make it right. So we, we have a great reputation and great business. Um, so that, that part's going great. It's just the, you know, the common, the stuff all business owners run into where you're not sure, you're not, you're never really sure exactly what you're doing, especially when it comes to the, 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 the behind the scenes stuff, you know, I'm great at installing closets, hanging blinds, that kind of stuff. But when you get in the weeds with books and employees and, you know, management and that kind of stuff, that's where I think everybody, guys like me struggle. So that part could use some improvement, but the business itself is it's, they're two really good businesses. Yeah. You So uh, to, to just be clear, 
part of what's a great differentiator for you is your attention to quality, your ability to just fulfill on your promise. You're, you're exceptional at that, you'd say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We make sure that right. I, nothing, nothing hurts my feelings more than a dissatisfied customer. It really does. Yeah. Hurt. It hurts my feelings. So personally, <laughs> even if I had, you know, one of my guys did it or, or I did it, whoever did it, it's, I don't like it. So I'll do whatever it takes to fix it. And sometimes that causes me more stress than it should, but. I think that speaks well to you. That's it's uh, not, a, not every business owner can say that about the level of care that you've just expressed. So hats off to you for that, for just taking to that personally. So you alluded to some of the fixes, right? And there's always like little flaws and things that you're trying to fix for the purpose of the call today. Can you boil that down to one main obstacle? What is the biggest obstacle would you say that's standing in your way of your business currently? Uh, I mean, honestly, it's, it's me. <laughs> it's just the, you know, I know a lot of, and obviously we work together in the coaching program. There, it's just so hard to get sucked back into that technician role where you want to go, you know, the guys screw up a closet job and, you know, I want to show up on site and fix it myself, you know, and say, this is what you should have done. I just keep getting sucked back in that role and I don't focus enough on, you know, our work and just the stuff as, as far as taking, taking care of behind the scenes stuff to help the business run more fluently. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us, Patrick, how many, how big is your organization? How many people do you have on your team? I have four, five full-time employees. And then uh, one of my employee's sons works for me off and on. And uh, my office manager's daughter works for me off and on when we need help. Plus myself. Is that an appropriate size you think for the volume that you're currently doing? I think so. I feel like I could use one more guy, but the state of the economy with inflation, all that, I'm not sure. I've kind of been on the fence for that. I actually had a guy ready to hire and all this stuff started coming down and I, I put it off because I'm just not, I don't know where everything's going. So right now, and that's part of it too, is I don't mind jumping back in when I got to help the guys, you know, for two, three days a week, if I can jump in there and help them get caught up or get ahead, you know, I would rather do that than hire somebody and, you know, have to say, sorry, man, I got to let you go. I don't have enough work. So yeah, I'd rather work 80 hours a week than have to lay somebody off because I totally, how would you, how would you characterize your team? Are they all pretty devoted? Do you, I mean, uh, you know, I'm sure they're going to be listening to this a little bit too. So be as candid as you can, of course, but like, is the retention good? Do you have a lot of turnover? Is it just a revolving door or what, what's that like? I would say my retention is, I would say it's probably pretty standard for a company like mine. I typically, it seems like my guys last about three years and then they move on. It's um, pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, I work, I work really hard. That's one of my main goals besides doing a good job is making sure my employees are happy and I take care of them. I've worked for some, before I became self-employed, I've worked for some great bosses and I try to emulate, you know, why they made me appreciate working for them. So I do work really hard at that. I'd love to have, you know, I feel like when any of my guys quit, I'm a failure. I'm like, man, I must be doing something wrong. Cause why doesn't he want to work for me for the rest of his life? Yeah. Now, three years is great, Patrick. That is, especially for service industry. It is yeah. what I know about you. You do. You care about your team. You care about people. And that is also reflective in, in how you care about your customers. That's a theme for sure across your business. Yeah. 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 And it's, I wrote, I've run into so many, you know, I called, I'm looking for a chicken coop. I called a, a company that pre-builds these sheds because we, we got a piece of land and eggs are so expensive. I'm, we're hoping to start raising some chickens and get some free yeah. eggs. I called the business and I mean, I'm ready to buy. I said, Hey, do you guys have any sheds I can pick up or you can deliver that I can convert into a chicken coop? Then you get a call back. And that's just, it's so common. I get, I get business all the time from somebody that called one of my competitors and said, Hey, I called so-and-so, but he never called me back. So here we are. And so, yeah, I take pride in trying to make sure we, we do a good job and take care of the, you know, people that call us, people that use us. Great. Great. You guys mind if I jump right in? Let's yeah, just go, go straight into the deep Let's end. All right. We're not going to wait in here. Um, Patrick, when uh, you mentioned um, some of the previous employers that you have worked for and, and you've, you know, um, acknowledged the, how positive some of those experiences were that obviously influences your leadership, the way you lead a team, the way you run your business. Um, I'd like to lean into that a little bit. What are some of you, what, what would you characterize as maybe your greatest strength or, or even a couple of your greatest strengths. And then 
in, in framing that question, I'm going to follow it up with, I'm, I'm already showing the hand here. In what ways do you lean on those strengths to a fault? It's not, I wouldn't say it's necessarily good for business acumen, but one of my greatest strengths is I'm the hardest working guy. I know I've told Matt this when we're coaching the example I use is if you, if you had two piles of gravel and you give me a shovel and somebody else a shovel, I'm going to move that gravel faster than they are. That's, that would be my goal. As soon as I knew somebody was right next to me, like I'm competitive and, <laughs> and I work, I work, I just work my butt off. I'm a hardworking guy. And one of my guys remarked another one of my guys, when he was working with me, he's like, man, Patrick is intense. Cause when I'm, when I'm working, I'm working, like it's head down and get the job done. And that's, that's a, that's a great strength. And that's part of what gets me sucked into the technician role too, is when I see my guys taking longer on a job than they should, I want to go in there and show them how it's done. You know, I'll go in there and I'll make it my goal to do twice as much in half the time, just so they can see how I feel like it should go. So that's, that's, that's a good strength as far as, you know, showing a good work ethic. Um, my other strength I feel like that I've developed more since I've gotten employees is I try to be an open book as far as, man, this is where I've screwed up constantly. You know, I know I'm screwing up here, guys. If you know a way to help me improve on this spot, you know, it'll make your job easier. Uh, let me know. I'm very open and, you know, they know, they know I have an open door. And if they want to text me or call me and tell me that they'd appreciate it if I up my game in this area, you know, I'm totally cool with that. In fact, I appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. So, so part two of that question, I love, I love that you're so clear on that already. You're able to answer that like that, man. Um, of those strengths, you know, a common theme that we see in business ownership and <laughs> present company included, I know Matt's this way, I'm this way. I, this is just part of our human, human behavior. When that's our saying, what do they call that Maslow's hammer? When, when the only tool you have in your box is a hammer, everything you see is a nail, right? That's the, the analogy that's made. And yeah. so those being strengths, any strength overused really can become a weakness. And so how do you think those terrific strengths, which they are, how do you think they might sometimes get in your way, man? I think the, the one where I want to outwork everybody is in the way constantly because I'm constantly wanting to show the guys, instead of being in my office doing stuff, I should be on the back end. I want to show up and show them how you know, how I would do it. And that's not to say my guys really do kick butt, but I always feel like I could do better, which I may or may not be doing better than them, but it just, it, it pulls me in because I want to, it's almost like a competition for me. I want to go in there and build a closet faster than they can build a closet. So that's, that definitely turns into a weakness because I shouldn't be building closets. I should be, you know, making sure we have job for next week. So they still have work. Hey, I'm curious. Can I jump in on that right there? Something's showing up for me. Um, I'm curious when, when you're there and you're showing them, are you showing them just how hard to work? Are you maybe showing them uh, how, to, how to actually do it better, how to do it faster? I think I'd still, I'd get pulled in there just because I'm kind of riding that line right now, being one guy short. Mm. when i show up it's not really because the guys aren't being inefficient it's just because we're falling behind yeah okay. i mean I, I definitely don't want to throw them under the bus but my guys bust their butts they work their butts off sure that's great i just i just jump in there and try to step it up a little bit but no they they work hard i don't think that i don't think i make them more efficient i'm just another set of hands in there working i got you okay what about the systems and and um uh, you, you made reference to that and, and you said, we've got systems. They may, might not be documented and codified and everything, but, but they, they, uh, they've got that pretty well dialed in. Uh, say more about that. So for instance, every morning they show up, uh, I have, and we use a program called jobber, which I, I heard when I listened to your other podcast from uh, go electric, they use jobber as well. It's a great program. Uh, Shout out to Jobber. You guys should be hooking Matt up. <laughs> it's it, it would be a huge advantage for the coaches to be able to really dig into that because it's a super it's a super helpful program. But anyhow, getting off track. I what I do is I I put the plans for the next job. We we get them a week ahead of time, but the plans go into Jobber. The guys show up, they print out the plans, and they load the trailer every morning. Um, that's pretty standard. They'll make sure everything's loaded before they take off. Uh, look over the plans. Call me if there's any questions. So that's although it's not recorded or written down that's that's definitely a system that's just what happens how they do it um 
end of the end of the job, you know, same stuff. They'll wipe everything down. And I always tell them, make sure the place is cleaner than when you showed up, because that's super important when you're in a new house. Nobody wants you leaving them in a dirty house. You got that. Yeah. So do you do their dishes for them real quick? <laughs> I have them. If so, can I get you to do some closets for me? <laughs> if if it was a sweet, sweet little old lady, I probably would because I got a soft spot for grandma's, but <laughs> I haven't yet. <laughs> That's good stuff. I'm questioning that systems thing. I, I love, uh, again, shout out to Jobber. And there are other ones too. You know, uh, Home Advisor I know has some, uh, for service industries like this, there are some just outstanding platforms out there. Some some may agree or disagree to that. But what, what those things have in common is that they're great at systematizing uh, uh, the general approach to the work what they're not necessarily great at, and it's no fault of their own, they're selling a platform that needs to be kind of generalist in nature. What they're not great at specifying is, for example, the way you guys do it, right? The way you do work at the closet guy or at Blindside, that that gives the specificity for how we do it here, rather than just a general job within the service industry what is it about it that makes us special? And so how, how codified, how established are those systems? And, and um, where do you keep that stuff? How does, how does your team learn about it, et cetera? Say a few words about that. Well, it's not, there's very little that's codified. And that's, you know, part of what Matt and I will eventually get to. And, and I'm doing it, you know, baby steps. We're, we're slowly getting some of the stuff, you know, piece by piece codified. It's iterative. Uh, yeah, but there's nothing really written down. It's all basically, uh, I show them how to do it and that's how they do it. And that does obviously leaves room for interpretation because I can't show them every situation. And uh, I just hope that they do their best to, you know, make sure it looks good and do the best they can with what they show up with and nothing, nothing codified. That's, that's definitely a, a big goal for me and my businesses, you know, an employee manual on how we do things here. And so can I jump in and ask, like, in your mind's eye, what is that goal going to accomplish for you? Where, where's that going to take you? What does that do for you? Well, it'll take, it'll take me more so out of the technician picture where the guys can handle everything themselves. And if they have a question, they go to the book. And if they can't find a question, answer in the book, which... I mean, really, they're going to know almost everything in the book. That'll just be an extra source for them to where they don't call me. And that's and that's one thing I've told them, too, is, you know, if you guys can't figure it out, don't make me your first go to say, put some thought into it, try to figure it out. If you can't come up with a good solution, then call me. So, yeah, hopefully it'll remove me from hands on so much in the business, you know, to where I can take care of the background stuff to where I'm sorely lacking. Yeah, I think you nailed it with that question, Matt. I think you're spot on, and and your answer, Patrick, is it makes perfect sense. If if and it's staggering. It never ceases to amaze me how scalable that stuff is. I always like to just do you know cocktail napkin math on stuff like that, where like if if that can shorten the training curve for a new employee by two hours, and you train five new employees a year uh, for one reason or another. That's 10 hours. That is one quarter of an entire work week that you just saved because they were able to reference something in a, in a more you know, concise way. And I'm being extremely conservative with a number like that. You know, you can, you can see how that stuff can just scale so quickly. That's just on the training, not to mention the, oh, hell, what do I do when this problem comes up, you know, in the middle of a job? It's not part of standard training. Rather, it's, it's for those exceptions. It's those odd fringe cases where they don't know what to do. And well, what are they going to do? They're, they've been effectively trained to reach out to Patrick and find out what should I do, Patrick? Um, systems. This is always one of those funny things about systems. I remember my early training as business coach, uh, uh, the analogy was made, look, people, people are always talking about, yeah, my business needs systems. And they come to coaching and say, and say as much, the system is the solution. This is what we need. And, and the irony is, and I, I love this little anecdote, Systems are already there. Sometimes they sound like this, hey, whenever Patrick comes around, work harder or he's going to give you more shit to do. Like yeah. that's a system, right? That's a repeatable set of actions that happens consistently within the business. What, what 
our efforts are, what our work is, is that we have to create the systems that actually serve the business, that are practical, that align with our values, et cetera, et cetera. So you've already got systems. Are they the right ones? That's the question we need to be asking, isn't it? Are they the yeah. right ones? And are they intentionally designed to produce a particular result, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, you know, the way the guys do set up for the day in the closet guy trailer, that's, it's definitely a system. Um, it could be, I can see the benefit of having it written down because for one, it allows for you do it this way and do it this way. And then eventually like, well, what if we do this? Well, then it gives you a little bit of room for improvement and then you document that. So it's that much more efficient. So I definitely see the value. It's just one of those Matt knows better than anybody. I just constantly get sucked into technician role and it's, it's brutal getting out of it. I don't know how, I mean, I guess I'm getting there slowly, but it's, it's a struggle trying to not want to go in there and do it yourself and fix it and, you know, make it perfect yourself. Yeah. We got some traction here, Patrick. I'm going to go into that a little bit. If you don't mind, Matt, can I? Yeah, man. Big. Okay. So, so there's a cost associated with you being dragged back into technician mode, right? You're not able to step into that role of the proper entrepreneur within your business, the leader, the one who has time to make sure the books are getting managed, to make sure that you're uh, getting more business, to consider that next big step in your business, whether it's get your own next franchise going off or whatever. You've got some entrepreneurial work that needs to be done. And the opportunity cost for every text that you get and you feel compelled to answer because there's nobody else there, that opportunity cost is huge. Even writing that rail, as you said, of, of I'm trying to write it lean right now, we're about a half an employee short. If you were a half an employee heavy, and I'm not trying to spend your money here. If you were a half an employee heavy, that's not as much an expense as it is an investment, right? You, you, that allows you to extract yourself from having to jump in and firefight and do some of that technician stuff. And now you can have that dedicated, uninterrupted hour, two, three, five hours a day, whatever is appropriate for you in, in your business and circumstances, that the profit that, that you're leaving on the table because you can't get to that stuff, it's, it's almost hard to calculate. And, and as, as, as I think prudent and smart as it is to run as lean as you possibly can, there comes a point where you have to say, this is too lean because I'm getting sucked back in, you know, countless times every day, just for little things, 20 second text, but that 20 second text requires about eight minutes of your time on average to get back into where you were. Right. So just, just oh, uh, for sure. Uh, yeah. As something to consider switching that strategy up to go, what, what if, and this is where you could budget it out. You could actually, you know, get into the financials of this and say, what, what are my opportunity costs that I'm missing and do they outpace the actual labor costs of being maybe a little bit heavy on payroll. Yeah, for sure. I could see that being an opportunity for me to improve. Yeah. If you're a little bit heavy on payroll, by the way, and now you've got that two, three hours a week freed up because you're not in there pinch hitting for, for being slightly short staffed that two to three hours, you could be recruiting a marketing agency or engaging in some of your own lead generation or lead conversion efforts and getting those clients. And all of a sudden that, half an employee too heavy. Oh, you've filled that, that capacity up immediately because you got one or two new jobs or three or four or more. And now, hell, now your next problem is now you're understaffed again. Right. And so it's just, it's that opportunity cost. It's, it's that, that fine line that you just have to finally cross. That's so scary. Uh, and rightly so, like I said, it's, it's prudent to be running a, a business lean that way. And you just can't be blind to the cost, the opportunity cost that exists there. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense to me. <clears throat> One of the things I've been slacking on is uh, we use this program called Nice Job that sends out, basically reaches out to past customers and asks for a review. Mm-hmm. And every time I get in there, we've got, I went from, I did business for like 10 years and had like five reviews. And we started using this Nice Job and we ended up with like 50 or 60 reviews in a month. Wow. And that's, and those reviews are huge in this day and age because people want to, you know, if you got one guy that has a thousand good reviews and you have 50, they, there's a good chance they're going to give them the first opportunity. So that's, I mean, that's a perfect example of something I could be doing that, you know, it's not at the top of my mind when I'm trying to help the guys keep up with their installs. Love that. It's called nice job. I've never heard of it. I absolutely love that. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a great program. It just, it automatically sends out emails and requests a review and it, they just push a button and click on Facebook or Google and takes them right there and they're done. That's stellar. Nothing more valuable in a marketing strategy than referrals crosses the entire buyer's journey in one fell swoop. Yep. I labor the point that Dan put on, but I wouldn't mind adding a little anecdote or story. There's a client that I had that had a printing company and he actually recently sold it. He's, he's not a client of mine anymore because he doesn't have a business anymore, but we got it to a point where it actually, this was a pivotal thing. Um, he was very tied in the production part of things. So they, they did printing for everything, you know, I mean, signs, you know, mailers, all kinds of stuff, right? Small, big, you know, banners, everything, right? And he had a production guy. And he hadn't been clear about that person's job description well enough to be able to then create something behind it that can support it so that it could run autonomously. So he was always pulled back into production. But the guy was super, super good at sales. So he kept on feeling that he had to pull himself back as a technician to help with the production piece of this because they had enough orders coming in that kept him busy, but I need to help, I need to help, I need to help, I need to help. Well, one, he made more efficiencies by getting more clear on the positions of the company. But by freeing himself, he went out and got some mad new accounts, plenty of new accounts to make up for any bit of any bit of that. So it was a two-part strategy for him right there. But that's, I think, exactly what Dan is talking about with the opportunity cost right there is what other areas as the leader of the business, if you can free yourself from that technician piece by being maybe a little bit heavy, um, what can you what can you produce instead? What more can you do to think strategically ahead and plan for some bigger picture stuff, some more marketing strategies, jump in sales a little bit more, which is still kind of technician, but you can make up for those costs probably pretty quickly, I would imagine, especially since typically you say you're normally pretty busy, right? So yeah. you might be able to fill that guy pretty quick. Yeah, I'll definitely have to put some thought into that because there's definitely more potential out there. We leave you know money on the table all the time as my guys could be canvassing the neighborhood with door hangers after a job if they weren't rushing to the next job. So. We talked about that. Yeah. I could definitely see the opportunity there for sure. And it doesn't take a ton of jobs to, you know, you sell two more jobs a month. That's going to pay for another. That's crazy. See, there's your opportunity cost right there. Two more. And that pays for that, that one guy. Yep. Oh, wow. Yep. I hadn't actually entertained the thought of an employee for a while, but I may have to rethink that. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, that, 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 what is it? Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, always be closing <laughs> ABC, right? I, I say with my clients all the time, always be recruiting. There's, there's never a time that you should not be collecting resumes, that you should not be seeking uh, possible employees, even if you don't need anybody right now. God, in this climate especially, it, it, the, the ramp up time to get good quality employees is longer than it's ever been. It's, it's a bigger struggle. Retention sucks. I mean, it's, we're just in a whole different climate in that. I don't need to tell anybody on this call or any listener <laughs> about how, how uniquely complicated that is these days. And so uh, I'm just always advocating that always be recruiting. If you've got a, a small stack of resumes or, 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 you know, a few contacts that you can reach out to at any time and say, Hey, I happen to have some room in the company. What are you doing now? Do you have time to come in and, and sit down for a conversation about it? And maybe at first, you know, you're going to have to, uh, again, make that investment. Um, this is a different I want to be really clear too. This is a very different conversation for a business that is barely able to keep the lights on. It, you know, it, it's very easy for us to sit here and say, Oh, just, you know, just be a little heavy on payroll. And they're like, I'm not sure I can pay my utility bill. That's, that's a different conversation. Um, that's, that's a different kind of triage in this situation. You're, I mean, you might not be just swimming in cash every day, but there's, but you've got hopefully enough margin that you could say, look, we could sustain, an extra, uh, you know, half employees worth of expense for the next two, three months till we get that traction and in order to free me up to keep our finances in line, further a marketing strategy, build some systems for efficiency and effectiveness and quality, uh, customer follow-up. And I mean, the list goes on and on. You listed it right at the top of the call. And when, when we asked you point blank, what's your biggest challenge right now? And you're like, I'm not able to attend to some of those things. If you could sustain that investment, calculate what that cost would look like for, again, maybe two, three months. I don't know. Well, I was thinking of this too. And, and Patrick, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before. I talk about it with every client um, to a degree is every time you're thrust back into 
like rehiring or hiring a new person. You've got to train that person. Um, it's what I've told you before. It's that that measure twice, cut once kind of thing. If you document when you bring somebody else on board and you're even just videoing or writing down how you're teaching somebody how to do the job, man, that's so valuable for you. Even that alone could be worth the cost of the additional labor because now rinse and repeat over and over any new people coming on board, that system is already starting to be you know, detailed out. And that, that in turn is going to create greater efficiency, kind of what Dan was talking about in the beginning is, you know, it shortens that time for ramping them up to getting them to where they're autonomous, right? To where they can, you can trust them and depend on them and, and they're proficient at what they're doing. So you can get more out of them quicker, essentially, because you've started documenting it while you're doing it. It's a perfect time, perfect time to be going, okay, how do I show this person what to do? So you, I think Dan kind of listed it off. There's so many potential opportunities with it. And I want to try to oversell you on, on the kind of decision to do this. But um, yeah, there's tons of opportunity costs if you really think through it a little bit differently. Right. Yeah. Just speeding up the training process would be huge because it's, you know, if you could send them home with a, a video to watch or a book to read the first, you know, two hours of first night, they'd be, they'd be way ahead of the game even the first, you know, morning they start. Absolutely. Ancillary benefit to that too. I want to add that to that for our listeners. I don't know if you see this a whole lot, Dan, too. And maybe it's a bit of the age of our, our, our clients a lot of times too. We're thinking of systems that I think image wise, they think that it's got to be something written. It's got to be something that's like a stereo instructions yeah. or right, book in their right. car. But man, one of the beautiful things about where we are in society right now is we've got so many different mediums that we can use. And video is literally in our hands at any moment. So underused. So underused. And it's so easy. And you can easily just put that into some drive or whatever it is and be like, hey, here's our, this is our supply, you know, packing the truck process. This is how you print out the, the jobber, you know, plans for today. I mean, just literally following yourself around on this could be your system, your way of documenting it, right? So the barrier to entry when coming and creating systems, you don't have to be this amazing technical writer of it necessarily anymore. Um, you've, got, you've got the power in your hands most of the time. Uh, I, I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to hit this thing to death too. And I want to point in a little ancillary <laughs> benefit that you get from that. When, when you have those comprehensive systems for, for just some of the, the training fundamentals, that lowers that bar a little bit. You don't have to seek out somebody who's fully baked because they've got a really good instruction manual uh, in the form of three 15-minute videos that would get them kicked off and they could, they could instantly go in and they could do the prep for this job. Maybe they can't do it soup to nuts, but they could, you know, with three little training videos, you could hire somebody. If they can follow directions, they've got a good work ethic, they are aligned with your values, Maybe you got a personal referral from them. They don't have to have 20 years experience in the industry. You could get them started with just a couple simple training exercises and, and the, the, the breadth of possible candidates that you have available now to you has, has opened wide up because you don't have to just get somebody with five, 10, 20 years experience in the industry. If they can follow directions, they're good work ethic, work ethic. Like I said, like that, that opens it up and, and your, your, uh, your pool of candidates is, is, is much greater that way too. Right. Yeah. And I don't, I don't necessarily even look for uh, experience. I look more for, I would much rather hire a guy with no experience and a good attitude than a guy with all the experience and, you know, questionable attitude, questionable loyalty. I'm all, I'm all about the human being, not their experience. All day. I love that. You bet. All day. You, get, you hire for the values, right? You gotta have, that's one of the reasons why we explored that so early on. What are your company values? What matters most? How do you yep. have alignment in your company culture around those? Yeah. Yep. That's huge. Let's bring this in if you guys don't mind. So, so as uh, uh, going back to the beginning of the conversation, um, Patrick, one more time, just for those not paying attention or the people in the back that maybe didn't hear it the first time, what, what, how would you characterize the biggest challenges, the biggest, biggest obstacles that you are confronted with right now that are that are holding you back from achieving you know the the highest level of vision that you have for for both of those companies again it's primarily just getting you know pulled back in to do the work do the 
you know, the technician stuff, the stuff that makes the business money, you know, installing closets or hanging blinds or, or even sales. I'm trying to get out of that as much as possible, but sometimes it can't be helped. Uh, just keep getting pulled back into those roles where I should be systematizing and, you know, expanding the business. So Patrick, earlier in the call, you were uh, really articulate about defining what the biggest obstacles are for you to uh, achieve your objectives. And, and it was about extracting yourself from that. And so I, I throw this question to you so that we can just have a good, clear, concise idea of what the next actions are. So I'll put it this way. When we get off of this conversation, what would be the biggest obstacle to you taking action on actually making that happen? Uh, a lot of it for me is just mindset, trying to get out of that technician role and going in there and try to, you know, help the guys do a better job or thinking I can do better, which may or may not be true. Uh, having some dedicated time. I have a dedicated time for my, you know, business growth stuff and it gets railroaded on a regular basis because I'll feel like I need to touch base with the guys and make sure the job's going okay. And if it's not, you know, jumping in and helping them. And I am, I'm definitely the biggest obstacle. It's just a matter of I guess getting in the mindset they don't need me because they really don't. And I need to be, I need to be in the office taking care of business as it is. Yep. Yep. What I love about what you've done is, is you've articulated the mindset thing uh, um, right up front. And it's one of the biggest, if not the biggest obstacle that I think Matt would agree usually stands in the ways of business owners is, is it's your own mindset about that issue. You sound clear on that, man. So let me speak practically speaking, tactically speaking, What's the next thing that you can do aside from the mindset? The other thing I heard was finding dedicated time to, de to, uh, to address some of those other issues. So what are the next steps, the very next tactical actions you could take to find that dedicated time? Man, that's a tough one. And it's not, it's not even necessarily that I don't have the time because my guys have freed up a lot of my time for sure. Um, sometimes I think I get pulled back in there just because I've talked to Matt about it. I feel a satisfaction of getting my hands dirty and, you know, finishing a nice and like, man, that looks great. And then I go home. I, I really get, and maybe that's a technician in me, but I get, I don't get a ton of satisfaction from working through the, you know, the building, the systems and trying to figure out how we can document. And I guess I got to get out of that I guess, appreciate the satisfaction of a business well run instead of getting my hands dirty all the time. Brother, you're totally on to, you're hundred percent onto this. In episode two, we talked with a gentleman named Andrew Kinkler and, and the same sort of a thing. Technician work gives us an immediate result, right? You pound a nail, you see the instant effect. You paint this, you, I mean, you see it like that. that. That tickles our fancy, right? That's the dopamine rush. That gives us immediate gratification some of this other work, this is strategic. This is like, this is long game stuff. This is not something you're going to see in immediate results. So it's not as seductive. It's not something that we're more apt to do. And so back to the, I'm going to throw that question again. What's the next action you can take to make sure that that starts to happen? You sound solid on the theory, Patrick. I mean, you sound like you got that dialed in. It's the, it's the, the action to be taken relative to that clarity that you obviously have. What do you need to do? Send a memo to somebody? Do you need to put up a do not disturb on your door? Do you need to send a group text or have a, a, a conversation, all team meeting and say, guys, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from nine until two, I'm untouchable. Unless something's on fire or bleeding, I don't, I, don't, don't call me. Don't bug me. I'm, I'm working on the business stuff so that we can all grow and have better opportunity. Like, is it some kind of a next action like that? What's the thing that you got to do? I think you pretty much just nailed it there. Uh, I need to dedicate a time because I tend to be open to all forms of communication all the time. Even when I have my, my meeting time, I was, I was eight to nine every day is supposed to be my sit in my office, work on systems, work on business. And, and as soon as somebody texts me, I'm like, well, I got to answer that because I might be slowing them down on the job or maybe they're, you know, <laughs> maybe somebody fell off a ladder. I don't know. So just dedicating that time is huge. For sure. I was going to actually articulate a, uh, almost like a strategy for those boundaries. Um, I'm working with another client on this. If they're listening, they know who they are. Um, establishing some standard communication protocols. That sounds like a really formal way of just saying, look, I got three ways to communicate with me. If it doesn't need to be answered until tomorrow, it's just a general question, email me. If it's something that is, is pretty, pretty important, 
text me. If, if someone's, you know, on fire, bleeding, <laughs> fell off a ladder, as you're saying, that's a phone call. And, and there's, so there's a standard agreement of appropriateness for communication. That way I know if it's a phone call, I'm answering that thing no matter what, because I know that it's critical. If they're calling you to just go, hey, I'm just thinking it's going to be sunny this afternoon. We were talking, no, uh -uh, that's not a phone call worthy thing. If you can establish almost like a, a protocols for what's appropriate and, and what channels of communication we use, um, then you know you have a good beat on what's worthy of addressing. And, and if it falls outside of that, now you've got some boundaries and some clear expectations that everybody's on the same page about. That's like, that to me would be a first next action. Just gathering everybody and saying three ways to communicate with me. Here's what they are. Here's what the, what the standards are for those. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually great advice. Having some standards. We have some very loose standards kind of based on what you said, as far as I always tell them if it's something important, but not urgent, email me because if you text me, I'll forget. If it's in my email, I can save it. So we have some loose standards, but having some, having that written down for sure, that would be a, that would definitely be very helpful in, in what, in my expectations. And they would know, you know, they would know exactly how to proceed when they have an issue. It's those, it's those time frames behind it too, is what's showing up for me as well. Right. You know, it's not just what activities go into it, but the expectations, as we've said a couple of times, of what is that return look like? Typically speaking, I'll get back to you on a text in this amount of time frame or an email in this amount of time frame, phone call I got right away, those kind of things. Yeah. So it can it can fall within particular topics, but it can also fall within a standards of saying, all right, what's the response time as well, too? Yeah. Yeah. I really like this communication standard idea that that definitely rings true. I think it'd be super helpful. I'm more curious. I'm curious about the boundaries for sure. I think that's a great tactical takeaway kind of piece. But then I go into kind of the same vein as it was with Andrew, which is you say you've made the statement like I, I don't I'm sitting in office. I don't want to sit in office. I, I don't have as much connection to this because I'm not swinging a hammer. For you, it was always closing the loop, right? You you like what you his term was was. And you never related it to the technical work before, technician work before, but I'm going to use that and tie it together. But I imagine that that technician work is closing the loop, right? I swung the hammer, put this together, boom, product done, close the loop. And you've talked about struggling with the fact that this work that you do doesn't have that loop closed for quite some time. It's an ongoing kind of thing. So my point to that is, is great if you create the boundaries, how do you connect to doing the work? in a way that makes you feel like it's like it's productive, like you're feeling like you're doing what you need to be doing. And uh, I don't know that it's exciting, but at least it's something that you feel like you um, connect with and can apply yourself to more than anything else. Because behind that will then become you enforcing your own boundaries. Because I can see that. I could see just sitting there being like, man, I don't really want to do this. Text comes in, eh, well, I'll answer it. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? How can you ground yourself and going, all right, this is vital. This is absolutely vital. This is just as important as swinging the hammer. Um, and you focus and find some level of enjoyment and productivity and progress out of it. You know, whatever words you want to use there. What do you think? I guess I just need to see results. You know, if there was some way of measuring, you know, we're 10% more efficient, that would be closing the loop for me. I'm like, you know, I could see on a chart, we're getting better. Uh, where I build a closet, I can step back, you know, wipe my hands, I'm done, looks great, walk away, feel good. Uh, the back, the behind the scenes stuff is so tough to really visibly see a finished product. So, or I like even that. I like that. So, you know, when you to gain some maybe momentum and traction, what are your thoughts about getting hands on things that you might not see an immediate, immediate return on? But like, for example, that training part of that, if you bring this guy on board, you can immediately create something that in a pretty short amount of time, a reasonable amount of time, you could apply that training again, you know, and see it in actual action. So um, something like that, something that you already connect with, something that you can see the practicality in a very reasonable and meaningful and, and probably time relative sense. What about working in those areas? And my thought is, is that gives you traction. It gives you some connection to it, right? And you start seeing the 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 value of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I could I mean if I could put together a little video montage of, you know, how to 
how to build a wire shelf and rod closet and step it up to a fancier closet. Uh, definitely that, cause I could see results. That's for me as I'm result driven. I need to see something happening. Otherwise I feel like nothing's happening. I don't feel like I'm making any progress. Right. Dan, do you have anything to add to that? That was a big vein of topic. Right there. It, it's huge, Matt. And your instinct was, I think like a dead ringer on that, man. I, one of your superpowers, Matt, that I know about you is especially your background in the fitness industry. Like, look, if I go do, you know, four, four, five sets of, of 12 reps of an exercise, uh, all I'm going to see is my inability to walk without a limp tomorrow. Um, right. That's the immediate result of that. That's, and that sucks. There's nothing fun about that. I have to understand that the long game is if I keep doing that, I'm going to see the final results that I'm looking for, but I, I, but there has to be some immediate gratification. This is just human psychology, man. We have to feel like there was some progress made toward that. And, and even if you can chunk those bigger goals down, just like you're getting at there, Patrick, one video, my goal this week, I'm going to do one 15 minute video. Doesn't need to be professionally edited. It just needs to be something that I can give to the team or the next guy, or maybe you've got one, one person on the team where it's like, God, if they could just do this one thing, they'd be a little bit more versatile. They'd be a little bit more professionally uh, adept at, 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 and well-rounded in their skills. So chunking it down into smaller little pieces because you accumulate enough of those before you know you, you've got a full, you've got a full set of videos that would, would pretty much represent a, a whole training course for somebody to come into your business, chunking them down into small pieces. And when you, then when you apply it, that's where the magic comes in, right? You put it all together. And then the next time you have to hire somebody, you actually get to use it and it expedites that entire, uh, that entire process. You know, that's that's rewarding. That's super rewarding. Yep. I could get some satisfaction out of that for sure. Nice. feel like I accomplished something. So in addition to the boundaries, setting that up is finding those things that you know, you can work on that are in the, tactical realm, maybe of things that, you know, that you can put your hands on and see some realistic immediate feedback from and having that be what you work on for that hour, two hours or whatever it may be, gain traction, gain momentum, feel good about that. Right. It's just, it's just like working out with it. Right. You know, you do get immediate feedback with it, you know, uh, because you feel better. Right. So do the things in my mind, do the things that you feel better about anyway, that are closer to you know, the things that you kind of like to do and start systematizing those because it's not so arduous, not so complicated or, um, yeah, whatever word you want to use there. What I'm hearing think, two, two precise next actions that, that if we're pulling out the prescription pad uh, on, on this situation, it's setting those uh, communication expectations, call them boundaries, call them communication protocols, call them whatever, but establishing what that looks like for, for you and your team. And, and that should apply to everybody, right? Um, they shouldn't be texting each other something that could be an email or can wait until after the shift or after the job or whatever. Like, so s establishing those communication expectations, that's number one. I think you get a ton of leverage out of that because it would make everybody just that much more efficient, all the reasons that we've already discussed. And then the other one is, is baby steps. When it comes to finding a reason or reasons that are compelling enough to avoid the seduction of tactic, you know, tactical technician work of swinging the hammer, looking at, at, at some of that uh, uh, other strategic work that you can chunk down and go, okay, look, I, I'm not going to have a full set of, uh, of a nine to 12 month budget, but what I can do is make sure that the financial records are current, reliable, and accurate. And, and then that, what I know from that, that's going to allow me to run the, the past couple months worth of reports. And from that, I'll be able to base my, take that history and forecast that into the future. And from that, right, you're, you're seeing this progressive uh, um, plan that you've created that, that you've chunked down into some baby steps that will give you those, a little bit of immediate gratification so that you're reducing some of that friction of doing the work that you, you know, damn well, you should be doing. It's just, it's just extra hard. Because it's it's not swinging a hammer, you don't see it right away. Right. I, those are the two things that I heard for for next actions. Am, am I missing anything? I think that the communication standard and expectations 
uh, I wrote down two things that said it's, you know, set aside a strict time for my uh, coaching slash business work. I think those go hand in hand. People will understand, you know, my, my crew not to bug me unless it's an emergency during that time. Yeah. Which that's all on me because I let them one text here, one text there. And pretty soon it's back to normal. Yep. That is your system. You already have a system. It's like Dan talked about. You have trained them accordingly. Well, I, I think uh, hopefully those are enough to at least get you started um, on on some next actions. Patrick, man, it has been such a pleasure to meet you. I know you and Matt have been working together a little bit uh, already, and uh, I'm just honored to have had the chance to have you join us on the Clearing Obstacles podcast. Hopefully it was useful for you and you have some uh, opportunities to make some of those baby steps and and get yourself extracted from some of that technician work is as fulfilling as it is. Big picture, uh, that's not the long game approach, and and I love that you already see that. Um, check back in with us, would you, uh, um, as, as you make progress on that, or, or if you find other struggles, again, you're already working with Matt. So you guys, I'm sure will be staying in touch about that, but I just want to thank you very much for taking the time. And, uh, cause it's, it's an incredibly precious resource and, uh, hopefully it, it was of great benefit to our listeners as well. Thanks for, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Great meeting. And of course, we'd also like to thank you our listeners, for your continued support. We'll catch you again next time on the Clearing Obstacles podcast, where we help you get there from here. We hope you've gotten the value you were looking for on today's episode. If you want more like this, please scan the QR code that you'll find on the show notes or go to clearingobstacles.com for more information. There, you'll find links to other episodes as well as how you can get in touch with us to set up your own customized coaching experience on a regular basis to clear your own obstacles. Your business should serve your life and uh, let us help you get there from here because nobody should do this on their own. We want to thank you for listening and gratefully acknowledge everyone who helped make this podcast possible. And a special thanks to our supreme assistant and navigator, Noah Wertheiser, to Arctic E for the brilliant musical themes of Clearing Obstacles, and to the team at Hivecast for your amazing work and legendary patience. Thanks for listening.